0: good morning everybody well the past few weeks we've been talking on this subject of navigating life and i don't know about you but i find that daily i'm needing some help and how to navigate something that there's something that happens something that takes place that i have to learn and so in the first few weeks we've been talking about some different aspects we talked about the first week how that culture that we live in uh is is diametrically opposed to the word of god and how that you and I have to make a choice whether we're going to go by the map or we're just kind of w- going to wander off and do our own thing. We talked the second week about how that when we come into relationship with Jesus Christ, that there's, there is a, a metamorphosis that takes place in our life. And how that we become more and more like him the longer we live with him. The third week we talked about family uh, and how that we operate in this whole family dynamic and, and children and all that. And then last week we talked about sex. And sexuality. And I had a lot of interesting comments. Anyway, today I'm probably going to get in as much trouble as I did last week. So take your Bibles and go to the book of Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter. And as you're doing that, let me greet the other campuses that are joining with us. My name is Eddie Couples. I'm the lead pastor for Love and Truth Ministries, and I'm thankful for what God is doing. I know you've already met the campus pastor and you've already had a time of worship. Now we're going to go together into the Word of the Lord to receive what God has for us. I want to read, beginning in Ecclesiastes, the fifth chapter. Uh, If you've got your Bible or you've got it downloaded on something, would you just uh, pull that up? Ecclesiastes chapter 5, beginning in verse number 10. Whoever loves money never has money enough. Whoever loves wealth is never satisfied with his income. This too is meaningless. As goods increase, so do those who consume them. And what benefit are they to the owner except to feast his eyes on? The sleep of a laborer is sweet, whether he eats little or much, but the abundance of a rich man prevents him no sleep. Because he's worried about all his stuff. I have seen a grievous evil under the sun, wealth hoarded to the harm of its owner, so that when he has a son, there is nothing left for him. Or, excuse me, or wealth that's lost through some misfortune, so that when he has a son, there's nothing left for him. Naked, a man comes from his mother's womb, and as he comes, so he departs. He takes nothing from his labor that he can carry in his hand. Now, Solomon writing here, and you have to understand who Solomon is, Solomon... Is the richest man at that point who had ever lived he was the wisest man scripture said who's ever lived and he says that if you got your heart set on money you're never going to have enough now think about that the richest guy in the world says you're not going to have enough money now I want to talk today on this subject how much is enough would you say that with me how much is enough they asked Rockefeller back in the days when he was one of the richest men in the world, how much more money do you need to have to make you happy? And he said, one dollar more. There's, there's always this pursuit. There's always this desire. There's always this want to pull it into our lives. And, and so we, we have all of this uh, what I call possession obsession. In America, we are, we are obsessed with possessing, to, to take things into our lives and, and to bring it in. Uh, a few years ago, PBS television, now this is not uh, a preacher, this is not a pastor, uh, this is public television, uh, did a program called Affluenza, not Influenza, Affluenza, which addressed uh, the lifestyle of America and what it called the modern-day plague of materialism. Now think about that. This is PBS saying that America is plagued with materialism. And and here's what the program claimed that day. It said the average American spends, uh, the average, now some of you are way above average because you're just wonderful. It says the average American spends somewhere around six hours a week spending money shopping, doing, doing their deal, but only 40 minutes playing with their children. Think about that. It goes on to say, by age 20, we have seen over 1 million commercials. And how many of you know that when they put a commercial on there, the reason they put it on there is to get you to buy something, right? They don't pay millions of dollars during the Super Bowl to put an ad on there so that nobody will buy their product. Recently in America, more Americans declared bankruptcy than graduated from college what a mess in 90 percent of divorce cases in America arguments about money play a prominent significant role in the divorce now if, if all of that's true then here's here's the bottom line of that material wealth does not make us happy if material wealth made us happy, the, you know, the whole Wall Street crowd and the Hollywood crowd would be the happiest people on earth. Have you ever read about them? I mean, they trade partners every other week. They, they got to get a new... I mean, how many of them have to go to rehab 15 times before they you know, kind of get over it? And, and, but I'm happy. I'm, no, no, no. All, all of that does not buy happiness and bring it into our lives what happens to us is is that God has created us for a journey. This thing called life is about a journey, right? And, and so God has created us for this journey. And what happens to us a lot of times is that, that we get so loaded down. I mean, have, if you ever have gone on a journey, let's, let's say you went on a hike and, and you were just going to be gone for an hour or two. I mean, how foolish would you be to get a knapsack, a backpack, and just load it down with everything in the house that you might ever want or need and say, you know what? I'm going to have a good time today. How many of you know that's not going to be true? Now, a, a few years ago, how many of you have ever heard the name Chuck Swindoll? Chuck Swindoll is a, a great communicator, great pastor. He, he's a great author and great writer. And, and I came across uh, a story he told about uh, a, a Catholic monk who was at the end of his life. And I, and I just, I don't normally read things, but I thought this was so good. Here's what that monk said. He said, if I had, life, had my life to live over again, I'd dare to make more mistakes next time. I'd relax. I would limber up. I would be sillier than I have been on this trip. I would take fewer things seriously. I would take more trips. I would climb more mountains and swim more rivers. I would eat more ice cream and less beans. (laughs) Now, see, I think there's anointing on all that right there. I I would perhaps have more actual troubles but I'd have fewer imaginary ones. You see, I'm one of those people who live seriously, insanely, hour after hour, day after day. Oh, I've had my moments, and if I had it to do over again, I'd have more of them. In fact, I try to have nothing else, just moments, one after another, instead of living so many years ahead of each day. I've been one of those person who never goes anywhere without a thermometer, a hot water bottle, a raincoat, and a parachute. If I had it to do over again, I would travel lighter than I have. If I had my life to live over, I would start barefoot earlier in the spring and stay that way later in the fall. I would go to more dances. Now, some of you are too religious. I would ride more merry-go-rounds, and I would pick more daisies. Now, I I just think that that is so needful in in where we are in life. I, I think that... We, we've got to come to that place of understanding that life can get weighted down real quick. And that the Lord did not want us to live this life so weighted down with materialism. And so I'm going to talk about some things this morning and then I'm going to get real practical toward the end of the sermon today. Uh, but but I, I want to share some things with you. Uh, 1 Timothy six ten is probably one of the, the most misquoted verses in all the Bible. Uh, but I want to read it to you like the Bible really says. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Some people, eager for money, have wandered from the faith and pierced themselves with many griefs. All right? Now, we hear that all the time, that says, For money is the root of all evil. That's not what the Bible says. It says, For the love of money is the root of all kinds of evil. Now, number one, I want you to understand, money is a necessity. For basic living we, we need to settle that we we don't need to be afraid of that we don't need to pretend that we don't understand that you've got to have some money if you want to live in this world in which we are in but my question to you has that money become the center of your life is that what you're focused on? Is that what you think about? Is that what you live for? And, and you got to work more and you got to do more because you got to have more and you got to spend more. and you gotta, I mean, that, that cycle that we get in becomes so overwhelming if we're not careful. There are so many people who make money the thing that they love. But if we could come to that place of understanding, when I make money just part of my life and it's not the object of what I love, then I can focus on those things which are more important. I need to understand today, what is it that's more important than money? Do I need money? Yes. Simple. Do I love money? No. Because if I love money, then I have made money my idol in my life. Now, here's that's number one. Number two is Proverbs 11, uh, 28 says this. Those who trust in riches will fail. P- pretty Blunt statement there. Those who trust in riches will fail, but the righteous will thrive like a green leaf. If I'm trusting in riches, I'm going to be in trouble. But if I'm righteous, I'm going to thrive. Now, now here's number two, is that we need to find what is of true value. What is it that's of true value? Is it money? No. I, I, I don't know about you, but I've, I've lived long enough to see the economy take some nosedives. Right, 2007, uh, we we began the process here of, of 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 raising the finances to build a brand a brand new building here on our Jackson campus. And right then is when the economy started tanking, and and I watched. I, in 2008, I got so I got to where I wouldn't even look at what my retirement was because it just kept. Am I the only one? It, it just kept doing this. And if you're my age, I'm I'm still young. I'm only 28, but if in my mind and uh if if you're my age you start noticing those kind of things and and so I was watching it and and I got so caught up in it I finally just said I'm not gonna look at. and for over a year I wouldn't even look at what it was because it just kept tanking and and I was reminded uh, of an old song that we used to sing and and it helped me during that time and maybe it can help some of you and here's the song it says on Christ the solid rock I stand all other ground is what? Sinking sand. So no matter what the economy is doing, I've got to come back to that place of understanding what is of true value that I can hold on to. What, what is it? And, and you know what? The, the Bible says that the righteous are going to thrive. If I'm trusting in money, I'm going to fail, but the righteous are going to thrive. And I think the reason is, is because as a righteous person, I understand what is of real value. Now, let me help you. I don't care how much money you got, if you don't have some things in your life, that money will not be able to help you. The number one thing that you've got to have that's better than money are your relationships. Amen? Amen? Listen, you can have millions of dollars, but if your family is in a mess and your relationships are all turned upside down, that money really doesn't do you any good. And, and, and so what we, my relationships are of, of eternal perspective, eternal value in my life. How many of you know that your health is more important than your money just wind up in the hospital and the doctor walks in and says uh, oh by the way and they use a word and when you hear that word you just freak all right doesn't matter what the word is you just lose it because you know in that moment that unless something can happen unless they can perform a surgery or they can give something that you are going to be in trouble And so our relationships are more important than money. Our health is more important than money. I think number three, our spirituality is more important than money. Listen, you are living life right now preparing for eternity. Every one of us are making decisions daily on where our eternal home is going to be. And so my spirituality is more important than my money. How, how foolish would I be? Remember the story in Scripture where, where the rich man uh, is laying in his bed and the Bible says that he begins to think about all the stuff that he has and all the great things that are his. And, and he says, man, you know what, I'm, I'm wealthy. And I've got, he said, I'm getting ready to tear down all my barns. I'm going to build bigger barns. And I'm going to bring in. And the Bible says, but God spoke to him that night and said, thou fool for tonight your soul is required of you listen you can have plenty of financial security but if you don't have eternal security you're in trouble if you don't have Jesus Christ in your life if you don't have a relationship with him that is more important than anything on this earth because the Bible says this earth is like a vapor it passes It's like the green grass that grows up in the morning and the sun hits it and by the evening it's already dead. That's what life is about. Life moves so rapidly. And yet, my spirituality determines where I'm going to spend eternity. And I challenge you today, take stock of where you are spiritually. The fourth thing that I think is is a needful thing, this may sound a little strange to some of you, but I think a good reputation is better than money. Amen. The book of Proverbs, the 22nd chapter in the first verse says, A good name is more desirable than great riches. To be esteemed is better than silver or gold. Now, I I think that the Word of God lets us know that. So I need these things in my life. I I need to have that. The third thing that I need to do is I need to trust in what's going to remain. I I don't need to build my hope on things that are going to pass away. Again, finances come finances go money goes up money goes down gold goes up some of you are heavy in the gold but gold goes down at times too all all of these things that they move but the book of hebrews the 13th chapter tells us what remains it says keep your lives free and here's that, that term again from the love of money and be content with what you have because god has said never will I leave you never will I forsake you you know what money doesn't love you and money doesn't hang with you but God does and so I've got to come to that place that I am trusting in that which remains I'm trusting in God I'm leaning upon him I'm believing him that he is more important than everything around me it's interesting when statistical data is done across the world and the ranking of the people who are the happiest americans always rank in the bottom think about that but third world countries where people live in dire poverty rate as some of the happiest people on earth could it be we spend so much time worrying about our stuff that we miss out on what's really important in life. And look, I, I, I'm not against stuff, and, and it gets real quiet when I do these kind of lessons, and, and, but, but I want you to understand that God wants you to live a more abundant life. And to those who are believers, to those of us who are Christians today, that there is a higher accountability that God calls for us. It's, it's the word stewardship. And that word steward just means someone who is entrusted with someone else's property. And the Word of God says that you and I are stewards of this life. Everything that happens in this life, one day, watch this, one day I will give an account to God of how I live my life. Now that's a scary thought. Because the, 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 the Bible says that even every idle word, and I get to thinking about that sometimes, Idle word. I mean, you know, that's just we just get to talking in idle words that we're going to give an account for. And so as I, I look at this aspect, I, I begin to look in Scripture, and, and I was reminded of the story there where the Pharisees came to Jesus, and they, they, they were trying to trick him. They were trying to get Jesus in trouble. They, they said, should we pay taxes? Now, now my initial reaction is, no. <laughs> Shoot, no. About as behemoth as I need to get, but I mean, no way. I mean, do you see what they do with our money? And so they're trying to trick Jesus. They said, if he says pay taxes, all the Jews are going to get upset. And if he says don't pay taxes, then the Romans are going to throw him in jail. So we win either way. And so they asked him the question, and Jesus said, give me a coin. And they gave him a coin, and he held the coin up, and he said, whose image is on the coin? They said, Caesar's. And Jesus, full of wisdom, said to them, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and unto God the things that are God's. Now, we've heard that a lot and we've talked about the whole aspect of render to Caesar. You're to pay your taxes, you're to do what's right. But he didn't stop there. He said, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but render to God the things that are God's. That indicates to me That you and I, boy, it's going to get tight now. That you and I have an obligation in our finances to God. That I can't just live. With my finances, any way that I want to, that there are some things that I need to do, that I need to look at what I am doing with my financial health, and I am to use that in certain ways. But then God tells me, he says, if you really want to be one who is in relationship with me, there are some things that you need to steward, and I and I want to talk about a little bit of that today, how that you and I steward these this financial resources that God has given that's interesting anytime pastor talks about these it doesn't matter if it's his church or any church they're always accused of being greedy they're always accused of wanting more money they're always accused of this that or the other and and it what what we miss out on is that we miss out number one is it's biblical number two is is that we get so fearful that we miss out on trusting God see it is it is a decision today that I have to make am I going to walk in fear or am I going to walk in faith? And I want to tell you, faith is a whole lot better than fear. So let me, let me show you. 1 Corinthians, the 16th chapter, and the second verse, it'll come up on the screens. It says, on the first day of every week, each one of you, that's everybody, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collection will have to be made. The first aspect of stewardship and the first aspect here of of living out as a Christian, of living out stewardship, is what I want to call consistently. He said the first day of every week, that's every week, the first day, the Apostle Paul said, when you go in the house of God, you should have already made a decision on what you're going to give. In other words, what he's saying there is is when when they get ready to take the offering or you get ready to give online or you get ready, however you're going to do it, don't don't just scramble for it and say, oh, man, I better do something. He said, sit down, think about it, and make a decision on what you're going to give. And then he said also, be consistent in that the first day of the week. See, I wonder what would happen if we would get consistent in our giving that we would just do what God said. Well, pastor, I can't afford to. Well, we'll talk about that in a minute. Well, Pastor, no, the apostle Paul says, sit down, look at it and do it consistently. The second level, it, this is kind of a three-tier level, you kind of move up in this, uh, is, is the book of Malachi, and most Christians are familiar with this, uh, but it's not just an Old Testament principle, it's a New Testament principle as well, I don't have time to go into it. But Malachi, the third chapter in the tenth verse says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. Now the word there is whole, W-H-O-L-E, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse. The word tithe means tenth percent, and that there may be food in my house, and here's what God says. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty. Do you know that in Scripture, you can read from Genesis to Revelation, this is the only thing that God ever tells you to test him in. He says about your finances, about your giving, about this tithing issue, he said, test me if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that you are unable to contain. I believe that the next level is what I refer to as proportionate giving, that everybody is if you're a believer, I think Scripture teaches you that you have a covenant right, but you also have a covenant obligation to tithe. Now, I know that gets a little nerve-wracking when, when we talk about it, but I believe that that is why God blesses is because people understand that. And, and I have people who come to me. In fact, I had people even today come to me and say, Pastor, here's what happened. Here's what took place. Here's, and and it's, it's all because they understood this whole aspect of proportionate giving of their tithes. I challenge you. Listen to me. If you are a believer and you are not a tither, I challenge you to test God. I challenge you to try it and see if God doesn't bless you in ways that you've never dreamed possible. And then the third level is 2 Corinthians, the 8th chapter, uh, beginning in verse 1. It says, And now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace that God has given the Macedonian church. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and extreme poverty welled up in rich, Generosity. Think about that. They were poor and yet it welled up in rich generosity. And then it goes on, the third verse there, uh, goes on to talk about how that in that moment, he said, for I testify that they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. There are times in your life where God challenges you to move to the third level, which is a level of generosity. It's a level that is above and beyond what you would normally do. Now, we talk about a lot of times. We call it sacrificial giving. But I really think it's just generous giving. It's coming to that place where I live with generosity so much in my life that I am not afraid when God prompts me. It may be in a situation that God speaks to me about a missionary. It may be uh, about a single parent. It may be about anything that God speaks, and I'm willing to. And that's what this church was doing i'm willing to go above and beyond my proportionate giving to say i'm going to be a blessing to somebody else see let me share this with you what's happened in america is that we have missed out that the reason that god wanted to bless us was not so we could always get bigger and better and shinier the whole prosperity gospel teaching that began in the 70s and 80s was a reality from the Word of God. Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. David said it this way, I was young and now I'm old I've never seen the righteous forsaken nor his seed begging bread. I do believe that God is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord God our provider. But I do not believe that the reason God provides for us is so that we can just bring more and more and more stuff into our life. I believe that God blesses us so that we can be a blessing to others so that we can look at somebody else who is struggling, so we can be involved in somebody else's life, so that we can go into a neighborhood. I mean, think about what would happen if we would begin to say, as kingdom believers, you know what? We want to make a difference, and every time we get a raise, we're not just going to live at that level. We are going to begin to set that aside to be a blessing to somebody else. I wonder what would happen if we would do that. Now, let me break it down and be real practical. Each week, I've been giving you some things and how to navigate life, and I want to do that today as I close. Number one is this, make a plan. Make a plan. See in parentheses there? Budget. Budget. But so people say, well, I, I can't be a giver because, you know. Really? But we can buy a new iPhone every time they upgrade. Oh, wow. I still have a 3G. It's all I need. I can afford a 5. I can afford an 80. I can afford a 95 if it comes out. But I got a 3 because it still works. I don't have to get an upgrade. Boy, I'm getting in trouble. I don't have to have 738 cable channels. I don't have to eat out every day of the week. See, now, if you can afford it, God bless you, do it, it's okay. But I get so many people who can't make anything happen in their finances, and it's simply because they've never sat down. Listen, only the government can spend more than it takes. (laughs) You will go to jail. (laughs) You will go into bankruptcy. They will be looking for you if you try. So make a budget. Make a plan. Secondly, live your plan. Right. Budget will do you no good if you don't live it. Well, Pastor, I'm just, I'm just believing. I'm a, I'm a giver. I'm a tithe. I'm just believing. Ever heard that? I'm, I'm believing. I've had people write faith checks. You know what a faith check is? Come on. Anybody know what a faith check is? Come on. I'm insurance. I'm, whoo, I got, whoo, 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 whoo. I'm feeling it. Whoo. I don't have a dime in the bank, but I'm writing a check. That's called a bad check. (laughs) I call faith. I believe God's gonna cover it. No, He's not. (laughs) Cut it out. Well, I just feel the Lord telling me to. No, He's not. He's telling you to quit living above your means. That's what He's telling you. Make a plan. Live the plan. Thirdly, have God at the center. Of your plan, make him the center, and when you make him the center, even when it doesn't seem like you have what you need, you understand what the apostle Paul said. He said, "I've learned that whatever state I'm in, he said I know how to be how to be abounding. He said I know how to have plenty." And I know how to have nothing. But he said, wherever I am, I've learned to be content with God Almighty. I want to challenge you today. Whatever's happening in your life, listen, I want you to be blessed. I want you to be able to take care of yourself and your family and your friends. I I, I think it's wonderful to be able to leave a legacy and and, and to have nicer. I don't have a problem with that. But I want to tell you, We need to come to a point where we understand that just because we get blessed does not mean we need the bigger and the shinier. That sometimes it's God saying, I'm blessing you, and I want you not to be a sponge. I want you to be a funnel. I want you to take the blessings, and I want you to release them to somebody else. You know when I do that? I do that when God is at the center of my plan. Amen.